The epistle for this fourth Sunday after Easter is taken from the first chapter of the epistle of St. James. Dearly beloved, be you doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he shall be compared to a man beholding his own countenance in a mirror. For he beheld himself and went his way, presently forgot what manner of man he was. But he that has looked into the perfect law of liberty and has continued therein, not becoming a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. And if any man think himself to be religious, not bridling his tongue, but deceiving his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Religion clean and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their tribulation, and to keep oneself unspotted from this world. Please stand for the gospel. The gospel is taken from the 16th chapter of the gospel of St. John. At that time, Jesus says to his disciples, Amen, amen, I say to you, if you ask the Father anything in my name, he will give it to you. Hitherto you have not asked anything in my name. Ask, and you shall receive, that your joy may be full. These things I have spoken to you in Proverbs. The hour comes when I will no more speak to you in Proverbs, but will show you plainly of the Father. In that day you shall ask in my name. And I do not say to you that I will ask the Father for you, for the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came out from God. I came forth from the Father and come again into the world. Again I leave the world and go to the Father. His disciples say to him, Behold, thou, now thou speak plainly, and speak no proverb. Now we know that thou knowest all things, and thou needest not that any man should ask you. By this we believe that thou comest forth from God. Please be seated. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. Dear Reverend Father, dear faithful, in the midst of this coronavirus pandemic, it's become fashionable for the media outlets and the talking heads to issue certain report cards for the various states to evaluate them for their response to the coronavirus crisis. Some of them consider the social distancing practiced in the state. They, they try to measure the interstate traffic, see how many roads there are on the car, on the, how many cars there are on the road, um, and see whether the traffic has been reduced. For instance, um, in Wyoming, it seems like the five or seven people who live in Wyoming um, only reduced their traffic by 3% during the coronavirus, and so uh, they got an F. But in New York, in the state of New York, they reduced their, their interstate traffic by 45%, so they were given the grade of an A. Well, they evaluate how good the data collection has been in each state, how good has the state been at reporting accurately how many cases of coronavirus are out there, um, how many people recovered from the disease, how many died from the disease. Um, there's also a scorecard for how well the governors have done in sustaining their economies uh, during this coronavirus crisis. So Governor Polis, Colorado, was actually the only Democratic governor who got an A in, on that report card. 
while the Democratic governors of New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Virginia, and Wisconsin all got an F for their lack of attempt to sustain the economy in their state during, during the crisis. And, you know, I'm, I'm not sure how accurate all of these report cards are. Um, and we, I mean, we certainly suspect in some cases that they're just serving the political interests of those who are creating these, um, these metrics by which they evaluate states. But be that as it may, I, I thought it might be useful for, for us to come up with a, with a different sort of coronavirus crisis evaluation, um, not one that considers social distancing or, or data collection or economy protection, but one that considers our service of God during this time. I would like to come up with grading criteria by which we may be able to assess this one question, how well have I served God during the two months of this coronavirus pandemic? Has my service of God been better or worse than it should have been? Would I give myself an A, a C plus, an F in looking about how well I performed my duties of religion in the past two months. And I think this will be very helpful for us um, because of the fact that this crisis has been a revelation, I think, to, to all of us. Um, it's only in extraordinary times that we start to understand ourselves better. We're sort of able to see ourselves um, better when, when we're outside the normal, when, when things are not ordinary, certain characteristics of, of our dispositions are made more manifest than at other times. Normally speaking, we are quite blind to our state of soul and our dispositions, and we find it hard to judge the true state of our interior, which, I mean, let's face this, that is the most important thing. That's the real you, your inside, your dispositions towards God, towards our Lord Jesus Christ, and that's what you're going to be evaluated on. Ultimately, that's what you're going to be graded on when you die. We'd often like that man that's mentioned in, in, the, in this very practical epistle of, of St. James today, um, where, you know, the, the man goes in front of the mirror and he looks at himself and, and he realizes certain things about himself that he didn't realize before. He's like, well, my, my, my hair is messed up or I, I really need to, to wash my face um, or I, I didn't realize that, that I've got this, this mole on, on the back of my ear or whatever, whatever it is that he realizes. And then um, he, he, he gets that moment of self-realization when he's standing before the mirror and then he walks away. And all that self-realization, that self-knowledge is quickly forgotten because he gets distracted. And he never executes those things that he was wanting to do. He doesn't comb his hair, wash his face, and so he remains exactly the same. And effectively, St. James is complaining about that massive body of people who consider that they are religious and that they're servants of God, but in reality, their practice of religion is quite hollow and self-serving. They hear the word of God and they believe, but there's no execution to that belief. There's a disproportionate focus on faith, but very little charity. As a result, he says, their religion is vain. It leads nowhere. Something that is vain is, is something that is done to no purpose. It has no real effect towards the goal it is supposed to seek. 
And we don't want the grace of the coronavirus pandemic to pass us by where we have understood something about ourselves during this time and we're motivated to serve God better, but then we end up doing nothing. Recall Father Harbour's sermon on Holy Thursday when he was standing on um, the, the steps of the altar and encouraging all of you to reflect that, that this was a moment of grace, that you were now realizing how important the practice of religion is to you since you were deprived of mass and you had to watch it on a live stream. And so he was recommending at that time that you write down, that right, right after you finish watching the mass, that you write down some resolutions. Like you were perhaps figuring out this time, I need to be more serious about the practice of my faith. These are the things that I need to do. And he was saying to you, you need to write those down so that when the crisis is over and things are back to normal, you actually live the things, you live that knowledge that you had received. That grace that you had received at that moment became effective, would become effective in your life. And so I would like to come up with something of a report card. I'm not going to publish grades or anything like that. Like that. Um, I'm not going to actually even do the grading. I'm just going to speak about various criteria of grading. I would like to share with you my own impressions and, and be rather frank in, in doing so because I, I hope we all um, really, we, we not just want to get to heaven, but we want to sanctify ourselves in this life. And this self-knowledge is so important for doing that. That's the beginning of the motivation that we have to practice our religion with more fervor and to serve our Lord Jesus Christ more effectively. Now, of course, those, just like the, the talking heads making up their report cards, well, they get to decide what, what are the criteria, so, so that's what I get to do as well. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to mention the things that from my point of view, when I observe my own faithful um, the things that determine whether they would get a good grade and, and whether they would get a bad grade in their service of God during this time. And the first and, and most important consideration in my mind is the question of respect of God, the degree to which my faithful show respect for God, have shown respect for God during this time, because there's no clearer sign for me that both faith and charity are working in a soul than if that soul shows a great reverence for God. And the reason for this is, is because there is such a close connection between reverence and love. It's not just true with God, it's true with our fellow human beings as well. If we give reverence to God, we respect him. And when we respect him, we love him. When we are irreverent to God, we disrespect him. And when we disrespect him, we show him that we do not love him. And our world today is sicked to death with the conviction of its own self-importance. And whenever we go up in importance, at least artificially, then God has to go down in importance. And there, there is this problem of human beings at least placing themselves on the same level as God if not placing themselves above God, willingly or unwillingly. And if you want to know why there's very little respect left in this world today, you have to realize that it's because we have forgotten to respect God himself. That's why we do not respect one another. That's why we do not respect one another's souls. That is why we do not respect one another's bodies. 
And that is ironically why often we don't even have respect for ourselves. Ironic because in this pursuit of human rights and, and this excessive focus on what is owed to me because of my greatness, people often lose sight of the respect that is due to the they, they By not respecting God, without not respecting their country, not respecting their fellow human beings, they end up despising their own selves because everything is upside down. They're no longer in touch with reality. And I just want to mention in passing that the main reason why I was reluctant to have a drive-in mass was because of my fear of not giving the proper respect to God. The proper respect that is, we owe to him is shown by, by this beautiful building. We, we have, this beautiful building was built precisely because God is different. We owe respect to him that is transcendent, that is beyond the mere ordinary. And so we build what, what is effectively a palace for our God so that we can have a place that corresponds to his greatness and we can worship him with the reverence that is due to him. And when you come into this church, this beautiful church, you immediately realize it's not an ordinary place. And we find it very easy to conceive that this is a dwelling place for our creator, for God himself, and show him the proper respect as a result. But if I were to take our Lord outside on the porch and have everyone sit in their cars and watch the Mass as they would any ordinary spectacle, it would be very difficult for you to have that same respect. It would endanger the respect that we owe to our Lord, even more than, than when we have our hotel Masses, or our funeral home Masses, or our scout hall Masses, which I have never liked. I mean, I've, I've done them. I've done the funeral home masses. I've done the scout hall masses. But um, it's only because I'm driven by necessity. There's no other place in these places to give the people the traditional mass. And so we, we, have, to, we have to use the venue, the only venue that's, that's available. But in these contexts, it's so difficult for me as a priest to give to, to the faithful the proper respect to the mass in our Lord Jesus Christ that they should have. It's just not the context for it. And, and I had this, this reluctance for, for, to the drive-in mass before I heard the actual horror stories about some of the things that, that were happening, like the Blessed Sacrament flying off the altar, about our own parishioners, our own parishioners showing up with donuts and eating them during mass, or people coming in their pajamas. I mean, obviously these people would, would get a, an F for their coronavirus um, religious response while there were other people who, who attended the drive-in Mass very respectfully. They had that consciousness that they were at Mass, and, and they would get an A. I mean, they, they did the best they could with the circumstances that they were in. Um, but to come back to our own situation, I was very pleased to see the respect shown by some of our parishioners and our large families when they came to church for adoration. Many families came to their hour of adoration on time. And this is a sign of respect. You respect somebody when you do not keep them waiting, when you keep their, your appointment with them and you show up on time. Sometimes we joke about being a last-minute parish, but, but that joke is ultimately on us because we do res disrespect God when we cannot arrive on time 
to worship him. It shows that it's not really that important for us if we can't keep our appointment with God. And that's why I wanted to commend the families who consistently arrived on time for their adoration and stayed for the entire hour. Because there were some who would arrive late and leave early for their, for their hour of adoration. I was also impressed with the families who came to adoration dressed as if they were coming to Sunday Mass. Obviously, you know, they, they could have said to themselves, this is not Mass, or even it's not Sunday, it's Friday or Saturday, it's no big deal. And those were the families that arrived in blue jeans or sweatshirts or whatever. And, you know, I, I can understand that if you're coming to a daily Mass, um, you're perhaps going to work after Mass, or you have some activity to, to perform at the church after Mass, um, and so you, you don't come in, in Sunday clothes. Or, you know, I mean, maybe it's just during the week and it's, it's just not Sunday. But if you are able to reserve time with our Lord and dress respectfully, you should do so. And there were families who did that. They said to themselves, we are going to see our Lord we are going to adore him. We are going to receive him in the Blessed Sacrament. And even though it's not Mass, yet we owe to him the best respect we can give. And, and by us taking that time to, to dress as we would at Sunday when we come for our outer, outer, hour of adoration, we will be able to show him that respect and love that we have for him. This is a manifestation of a faith defines execution in work. There is both faith and charity there. Some faithful did this in the even more difficult situation of watching the live stream mass. Some of them would prepare a special room for, for them to, to watch the mass. Um, they would put on their Sunday best. Um, they would follow the postures for the Mass, kneel, standing up, sitting down, or whatever, um, at the appropriate times during Mass. And as I say, I think these are the families who would get an A in my books for their spiritual coronavirus response. The second criterion for, for marking this, this coronavirus report card, in my mind, would, would be the use that the faithful made of the spiritual resources available to them. And in this case as well, there were, there were various extremes um, manifested by, by families and individuals. There were some faithful who, who seemed happy to have that dispensation from attending Sunday Mass, and they took the weekend off, even though they were not sick or they were not in a high-risk category. Of course, there's no strict obligation to, to come when um, there's any sort of risk. But there were definitely some who did not seem to, to have much concern about nourishing their own souls. And there were others who would come to adoration, but they would not make use of the spiritual resources available to them. Those hours of adoration, there was something very special about them. It's like families had their, their, their own priest, their own confessor for that one hour, their own special time with our Lord for that one hour. And it was very edifying to see some families come and, and all the members of the family go to confession. All the members of the family go to communion. It was, there was something very beautiful about that. Of course, you know, we, now we've got mass back, so that's even better.
But on the other hand, there, was, there were families who came and did not make use of the resources or, or individuals. There was, there was one very striking occasion when there were nine people here for adoration. And in that time, there was zero confessions in one communion. And this was not a Friday, it was not a Saturday, it was Easter Sunday. These nine people came. None of them went to confession, and only one of them went to Holy Communion. So, as I say, as a priest just looking out over my faith floor, I, I see to what degree they, they make use of, of the spiritual nourishment that is offered to them. And I was very edified with, with some, some, some people double dipping, triple dipping, some people even in high-risk categories doing that. It's not something I would advise them to do, and I'm not even saying that they were prudent in doing so, but what I'm saying is that at least as far as their spiritual needs go, they were manifesting um, a sense of the fact that their souls need spiritual nourishment. I, I think of, I, I commend Father Harbor because Father Harbor was in high-risk category. Of course, he was coming here hour after hour during those six weeks where we were having adoration on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, coming in contact with, with all these people. I think Father Harbor's probably going to outlive me. He never gets sick. But, but, I mean, the fact is that he is older, so he is in a high-risk category. So those who showed that they, that they value their souls more than their bodies would, would, would get an A on their spiritual coronavirus report card, or those who might have shown excessive fear for their physical health or happy to use the opportunity to keep themselves away from the sacraments would not receive such a good grade. But in the end, my dear faithful, of course, it's not, it's not I who, who will be putting the grade on your report card who will be judging your souls in the end. It will be our Lord himself. And this is what we must always keep in mind um, as we go through this life so that we can continually evaluate the dispositions of our own soul and, and really see honestly, truly, whether we love our Lord, whether we respect him, whether he is the most important in our lives. And if you've learned something about the sincerity of your love of God in the midst of this crisis, be sure to use that knowledge for those two things. That you grow in the love of God, the reverence of God, the respect that you owe to him, and also that you have this very great desire to nourish your souls on a regular basis so that on the day of your particular judgment, when you see our Lord face to face, he will look into your soul and see a very great love, a true love for him burning in your heart. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.